Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. In one weekend, Daniel Ricardo just blew wide open the battle for P7. And it could be worth millions. $18 million to be precise. That's what the jump from last to eighth place meant for AlphaTauri. For these teams, this whole situation about dropping positions means so much more than for the likes of Mercedes, Red Bull or Ferrari. They can stomach a loss of a few million dollars every now and again. Especially likes of Ferrari, who get a huge chunk from Formula One just for the fact they've been around the longest. But your Hasses, your Alphas, your Williams, your AlphaTauris... They need every single dollar possible. Everyone thought, oh, cool, it's going to be Williams. But no, it might be somebody else. Somebody who's defying the odds. That dang Australian. I was going to be doing this before the Mexican Grand Prix. I'm really glad I didn't. First off, let's talk about Williams. Now, Williams, I feel like this season has been a very big eye-opener for them. After all of their years in the wilderness, that False dawn in 2021, where George Russell and Nicholas Latifi guided them to points and eighth place in the constructors, and then falling back down hard again with the new regulations, that maybe, just maybe, a chance to be back truly in the midfield is very possible. At one point in this season, they were closer to Alpine than Alpine were to McLaren. Williams should be really proud of what they've achieved, even though the fundamentals of their car and their facility and the under-resourced properties that they have are still apparent. 2024 will be more of the same. They will be grateful for their new capex spend and they can implement that, but it will take time. What they needed right now, though, to try and kick up the grid a little more is an effective team leader. And James Valls has been a breath of fresh air for that team. Entirely supportive, keen to dispel all of the reputation that Williams had of being very cliquey, trying to do everything themselves, being afraid of outsourcing. You just feel that that team now has a clear definition of what it wants to be. Doralton Capital, the team owners, are really in touch of what made Williams the team that everybody loves. They are a team that is steeped in history. They do get a little bit of a heritage bonus from Formula One, but it's nowhere near as much as what the likes of Ferrari get. And you feel like they will understand and appreciate this uptick in performance, even though the car hasn't fundamentally changed. The drivers as well. Alex Albon has been the driver they have needed because when they lost George Russell to Mercedes, they weren't quite sure what was going to happen. And George Russell's reputation, sure, has changed a lot, going from the underdogs of Williams, where he was known as Mr. Saturday because he turned up on Saturday, and now being the shadow behind Lewis Hamilton and trying too hard and not being everybody's cup of tea. 
But Alex Albon has stepped into that role quite magnificently, if not even better than George. He is definitely the kind of person that Williams needs as a team leader. He is very amiable. He's approachable. He's quite modest as well. But he's also very serious, competitive, and Red Bull do rate him. They rate him so hard, they are trying to find everything possible to get him back someday. Maybe if Max Verstappen retires early, they might look to Albon and go, hey, do you think you can help us, Alex? Because Helmut's been very coy and very um, open to the idea of Albon one day returning to the Red Bull fold. But right now, I don't think Alex is going to do that. His time there at the beginning was nice, but it grew very toxic in 2020. It only yielded one podium and he was on edge all of the time. Imola, that Grand Prix was the death knell of his Red Bull career. He was thrown into a reserve capacity in 2021, probably not going to be getting on the grid again. And then Williams threw him a lifeline and it's been plain sailing from there. He's found his home. And Logan Sargent, even though many people have doubted him, they think that he's not good enough for Formula One, especially when you've got the likes of Oscar Piastri and Liam Lawson showing up, scoring that point in Austin, even though many people will critique it as done by disqualification, is critical for his further development because he can score points. He was there. He finished. He deserved it. Mexico was looking good too. He was looking on for 12th. Then the car failed him. He is slowly getting better. And I think Williams knows something in the data that we don't, because Felipe Drogovic has been confirmed as being the reserve driver at Aston Martin. So that avenue has been shut. Of course, Mick Schumacher could be a rumoured partner to Alex Albon next year, but it's looking increasingly likely that James Valls has seen the data, he likes what he sees, and that the lineup for Williams will not be changing. So they will be having stability, consistency, going into 2024. And then when Pat Fry comes in for 2025, this will be even better. That is going to be the season where I think things will get very interesting for Williams. Their position on P7 looks to be a little bit more shaky when you talk about the likes of the next team, Alpha Tauri. Now, you don't need me to tell you that for the longest time, Alpha Tauri were quite clearly the slowest team on the grid. Their 2022 season wasn't all that much better, with Sonoda and Gasly barely scoring points, getting ninth in the constructors, and then looking to do even worse this year, without Pierre Gasly there, who had gotten bored and went to Alpine, and is probably slightly regretting it, although he is coming out on top in the driver's standings when compared to Ocon. But Alpha Tauri, though, were nowhere. Yuki Sonoda was carrying that team for the longest time, getting them a singular point every now and again, but just enough to save them from having no points at all. Nick DeVries was a bit of a clunker in terms of the selection. Helmut Marker really dropping the ball on that one, acting like a very big Austrian magpie. Then going to Daniel Ricciardo, who looked kind of interesting, but maybe a bit too soon. Then he inches himself. Then Liam Lawson comes in. He does really well. And everyone's thinking, hey, he could be really... Oh, no. Okay, he's gone. Bye, Liam. Okay. Good luck in Super Formula, mate. It's been a very tumultuous year for AlphaTauri, but they have now turned a corner. And even though this corner hasn't been the most noble of situations in going back to the old Toro Rosso model of the hand-me-downs of Red Bull being given to them, as much as legally would be allowed these days, it does work. And it's meant to be what the original remit of Toro Rosso was training up the future of Red Bull Junior drivers. But they are kind of losing the point with the junior team program there. But we're going to be talking AlphaTauri. And right now, 
they seem to have gotten a very clear edge on their competitors in the likes of Alfa Romeo and Haas. Their upgrades are finally going somewhere. According to F1 Data and AWS, they are now the sixth fastest team. They have now hurled themselves up to the midfield with the likes of Daniel Ricciardo guiding them back. Because his advantage of knowing the RB19, which components will be used for next year, is critical. The best barometer they can get outside of Max Verstappen or even Sergio Perez. He scored their best result this season, undermining all of the stuff that Yuki Tsunoda had done prior to then when he was lucky to get P10. And of course, Liam Lawson then gets P9. Things aren't looking really good for Yuki, even though he has been the bastion of that team. Then he screwed up completely when he mucked up in Mexico, when it could have been a double points finish for Alpha Tari. And for those teams, a double points finish is a very big deal. Daniel has managed to find something about that car which he likes. And many people have been saying that he was actually using Yuki Tsunoda's setup for that, which is a very good thing because Yuki, back in the earlier days of the season, was taking notes from Nick DeVries, who he thought had wonderful understandings of what feedback would be useful in improving setups. Was Nick DeVries thrown out too soon? But Daniel is going to be the thing that that second Red Bull team needs. Some guidance, a recalibration. It's going to be very critical to see what happens there. But Mexico completely turned a corner for that team. But a team that I think is kind of like Williams, but also not, is Alfa Romeo. That team, man. Oh my goodness. I thought 2022 was tragic when they started off incredibly competitively. Bottas carrying on what he did at Mercedes, scoring many, many points, and then falling off incredibly hard and barely held on to P6. Now, though, they are looking like they really have no idea about what to do. But I've talked about this in many videos. That's okay. They are in a state of transformation. They are turning into Audi, despite all of the rumors going around that Audi is about to pull the plug because of their new CEO changing. They are looking to the future. They are looking to 2026 and bolstering all of their resources going into those future seasons. The Sauber generation, those two seasons, back to their original name, may not yield all that much in terms of performances. You might get that moment like it was back in 2015 or 2016, when it would be a miracle that they would score any points at all. And you feel really bad for the drivers that they've got. Bottas and Joe? It's really not a good showcase of what they can do. Bottas, he just looks like he's making up the numbers. Sure, he looks happier than he used to be, but at the same time, it's really putting a dent in his reputation and making people all the more think that Mercedes were the one that were bolstering his career. And that's the only reason he got 10 wins. And then Joe, at the beginning of his career, he just looks fine, I suppose. He just looks mediocre. He brings in the money. I think people will look back in his career and just think, yeah, sure, he was the first Chinese driver in Formula One, but he was just a pay driver. Many people might be even comparing him to the likes of Latifi. Sure, he seems like a nice guy. And he may get a point every now and again, but you do see him quite near the back towards the end of each race. And I don't think that's entirely his fault. It's down to the fact that that car is not being developed properly. You get upgrades, sure. And in Mexico, in qualifying, it looked brilliant. Q3, both of them in Q3, but they fell off hard after the restart. I feel bad for them, but I don't really feel bad so much for the next team. Haas. Oh my goodness, man. Haas, what have you done? What have you done? 2022. That was meant to be the season where we saw Haas transform itself, figure itself out, go into this new era of regulations on a high, and then build from there. So far, it's been none of that. It's been more of the same. More of the same old Haas that promises so much but under-delivers spectacularly and just looks like they don't know what they're doing. 
And there is seemingly more and more speculation about they favor one car more than the other. Because in 2021, we got Schumacher over Mazepin. Then the following year, we got Magnussen over Schumacher. And this year, we're getting Hulkenberg over Magnussen. And of course, it led to dramatic results in Mexico, with Magnussen crashing into the barrier after a rear failure. This upgrade was meant to be pushing them forward in this era of Formula One. But so far, it's just made them worse. At least in previous years, they were not likely to be lost because Williams was taking up that mantle. But Williams have stepped up now, so it's going to be Haas taking that forward because there have been moments where they get so close to scoring points and then suddenly they don't, just because of the same issue they've been having for years that they still have been able to figure out. They've been trying everything they can to be more efficient, work with Ferrari, become the Ferrari B team. It's just, my goodness, Mexico was the lowest ebb because they were so close. Ocon beat them. They brought upgrades to a sprint weekend like Aston Martin. It's quite clear now, you don't do that. Nico has shown moments that that car can be quick in qualifying and some sprints. He's been able to provide the smallest bits of hope, and now he's starting to get sick and tired of it. There are more articles going around that Nico Hulkenberg is telling the team to get a grip and figure out what they're going to do. And if they really can't figure that out, then there is no hope for them getting any higher than maybe P9 or something. They were at P8 at one point, but they've barely scored since then. And Williams is looking absolutely far from them. And they got themselves in even more of a dire situation in terms of budget. And of course, Haas this year now finally have been able to fulfill the entire cost cap. Those sponsors can easily go and they'll be back to square one. They need to find other sources of cash quickly or maybe something else entirely. Could it be the time that Gunther Steiner be pushed aside with a new team boss coming in? Or maybe bring in his old friend Mattia Bonotto, because they are good friends, into the engineering aspect of Haas and with his connections to Ferrari, maybe that might yield something. Who knows? But one thing's for sure, Haas is absolutely nowhere. I feel that this battle for P7 is going to be definitely between AlphaTauri and Williams. And if I have to pick who will secure that position, I think it might be tight and AlphaTauri will be the ones to do it. I'm sorry, I want to believe in Williams so hard, but ultimately, I don't think they will lose too much sleep over this. Being P7 was great, but being P8 is almost as good. It's far better than they were last year when they looked completely and utterly clueless despite the glimmers of hope that Nick DeVries and Alex Albon gave at a couple of races. This year, it's looked more likely that you could say that, oh, Williams might squeeze in a point or two with Alex and Logan. He might get lucky for some decent performances, not be last. There's been a lot more optimism about that team and they can take comfort in that. They have done much better. And I don't think losing P7 will mean all that much to them. It's going to mean much more to AlphaTauri because for the longest time and last year, they looked quite clearly a backmarker team. But with Daniel's return and understanding of what they are going to be going into next year, this will bring them back to where they should be, around about P7, P6. Even though the days of Toro Rosso, they were around about that area, between 6th and 8th. Being any lower was weird for a Toro Rosso car. So this is just going to be returning to what they used to be. And Daniel was really important. And Yuki has been showing excellent contributions. He saved their bacon in the early days of the season when it looked like they weren't going to be scoring any points at all. He has shown a really good increase in performance and understanding about how a team works as a team leader. But now he really needs to focus on himself again and not lose his cool and not be desperate. When we get into Vegas and Abu Dhabi, 
it's going to be splintering off this battle. It's going to be a battle for P7 and a battle for P9. Alpha Romeo and Haas will be competing about who won't be last. But really, I feel like Haas is going to be the one that will end up last. Alpha Romeo, they might be able to hopefully squeeze a point or two. There's a little bit more optimism there if they can get their qualifying right. Whereas with Haas, you just feel like the same old thing is going to affect them again and again and again. And I feel like by the time we get to the end of next year, Nico Hülkenberg will walk. He will go somewhere else. He might go to Sauber. As they then transition to Audi, and with a German manufacturer with a German driver, that would be great. But at the same time, though, I feel like Oli Behrman might be something that Haas might cling on to come 2025. This might be really important. Sure, Oli Behrman would be a rookie. Haas is looking more and more to integrate with Ferrari and be their B team they will be a bit more tolerant and acceptable about what Oli Behrman's all about. And also, a lot of people say that he's pretty aggressive as a driver, so he might be able to hold his own and bite back against the likes of Gunther Steiner. But what about that guy? Does he really need to go? I feel like he might need to go. I feel like the only reason he's still around is because he's marketable. People find him funny. He's a fan favourite. But do fan favourites get results, though? Not always. Maybe Gene has seen enough and might sell to another team. Andretti, maybe. They might replace the American team by being a new American team. But would they do that, though? Because many people in the comments have said that, oh, this is great for the Haas CNC business as a commercial. But is it really, though? Because they've really not been doing well since 2019. And I feel like they've reached the saturation point. Is another year in Formula One going to really bring Haas any more business? Especially since things have looked a bit more precarious for the team and the good favour with Haas might run out, or Gunther might outstay his welcome and people will get bored of the same old shtick. Really not had that many sound bites from Gunther, so uh, maybe people are sick and tired of him and just want Haas to do better.